the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Total Financial Hour is sponsored by TFS Financial Insurance Services and Total Financial Solutions, Inc. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about financial Welcome to the show. Power. Thanks for being part of the show this morning. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. My gosh, has this been a, a crazy news week, financially speaking? Markets going up 2 3%, down 2 3%. Uh, look, I think that's going to be the case for probably, I don't know, maybe years to come. Some say uh, at least through 2033, maybe even into 2024. Uh, I think there's not going to be any real direction. It's just my... 27-year opinion and 10 years prior to that as a trader. Uh, so I guess 35, 36, 37 years worth of experience. Eh, I think you're going to see this happen until there's some sort of political direction, meaning uh, there's a lot of things that impact your money. It's political, it's monetary, right? Political is, is what you would expect. Democrats, Republicans, states, uh, governors having some impact, of course, all the way through because they can choose uh, what election laws are, are going to be. Some of this crazy phoniness that California has gone through where they give everybody and their mother uh, and their dead uncle and <laughs> grandfather an absentee ballot, right? You've seen that and you look at it and go, huh, let me ask you, is there a reason that you're sending me a ballot? I've told you, I've had family members that had four, five, six ballots and there's only one or two people there that live there. You don't think it, in some of these apartments, some of these uh, homes in which there's been renters or apartment buildings, they just dump these ballots. Literally, you guys, if you go to those uh, apartment mailboxes, right, when you walk in the door of, of the complex, there's that metal security door, you open it up, there's mailboxes inside. You'll see ballots everywhere. It's incredible. And you'll see ballots being stuffed in So. Their job, right, the socialist job is to purposely have you question the election. That's one of the tenets so that if that avenue is a dead end, then let's back up and let's, well, the only other street to go down is socialism, is a totalitarian type system. So, uh, you know, it's interesting that the people in the 60s and 70s that was uh, live and let live and, um, you know, free speech people. Remember all those people? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now they are all, all in power. 
They have academic security from their various uh, tenured type jobs, and they're not going anywhere. So their job is very specific. It's to make sure you understand that they are the ones in power. Right. I, I, I never understood that because I thought when I was in college, they told us, if you give us power, you know, we'll make sure everybody has, um, you know, you can smoke weed if you want. They, they make sure that you can walk down the street and a police won't, policeman won't bother you. Uh, you'll get a fair wage. Women and men will be paid the same. You know, some of those things, uh, I, I was never a weed smoker kid ever. Uh, and so to me, it's, I don't know. I used to arrest people for that stuff. So it's a bit of abhorrent. I get it. Some of you do it because you think. You know, your doctor, medicinal, I'm not going to go down that road now, but I just want you to know that you were supposed to be able to do that in a democratic world, along with having a free election, along with counting all the votes. Now they want to count illegal votes. Now they want to count votes from, uh, you know, same person voting four or five times. You have to watch Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 Mules. It's live video. It's literally video uh, undercover, if you will, or hidden camera video surveillance. It's literally watching Democrat operatives change and stuff the ballot box. So you have to look at this and realize this is the kind of thing that you are purporting on the Democrat side to be what's going to happen. Well, part of that conversation was Social Security for everybody. Social Security will be protected. Social Security will make sure that everybody gets paid for what they worked. And you say, okay, well, listen, I may not agree with everything in the Democrat side, but there's enough moderate Democrats out there to go, huh, letting criminals out on streets, I don't agree with protecting Social Security, I do. Well, you understand that's the same conservative side of the conversation, too. We want to protect Social Security, of course. We do it from the standpoint that people have put money into it, right? There's been a trick played on folks where, uh, hey, just put your money in and we'll make sure it's there. Well, okay, maybe sort of. Now what's happened this week with Social Security? This kind of sl- uh, this slight little thing, uh, October 14th, so, uh, Social Security two days ago, came out and said something that's very interesting. Looks like there's going to be a record cost of living adjustment for 2023. Now, that's not bad. You're a Social Security person. You're collecting $2,000 a month. This is going to give you, what, an additional $175, $180 a month? I'll take that. But here's what they do. You've seen it before when President Barack Obama's administration, they gave a pay raise, first time in in quite some time. And then what do they do on the backside? Well, they took it away through something called Medicare. Or it increases your income tax. So now Social Security that wasn't taxed before is now taxed at a higher rate. Or wasn't taxed at all. In other words, you made less than the 34000 as a, as a uh, single and 43000 as a couple in their formula. It's not exactly a dollar for dollar, but there's a particular formula. And now these numbers put you above it. Now, you might say, that's fine. It's going to hit me. Well, look, $2,000 a year extra in your Social Security check could mean somewhere in the neighborhood of five to $8,000 extra you have to pay the government. That's the truth. So unless they adjust those numbers as well, all they're doing is squishing more and more people into this bucket 
of mandatory taxation of Social Security. Some of you that are on Social Security haven't had to complete an income tax form because you just don't, you're not required to pay income tax. You're, you're below those numbers. Well, you need to keep an eye out because I think this year you're going to see something different. I think this year you're going to be somebody that just might have to have a reevaluation, meet with your financial professional, meet with your tax preparer. And by the way, they should be two different people, right? I don't let my plumber work on electrical. I don't have my, even though they both, you know, have uniforms and they both have tools. I don't like let my mechanic who fixes, uh, you know, the transmission also fix the brakes. They're different people, different specialties. You might say, that's all I can afford. Well, okay, listen, all of us were struggling at one point and you have to make sacrifices. But my point is today, you don't have to make a sacrifice. You want a financial professional who handles your financial life? That that's all they do. I don't want somebody who does that on Tuesday and taxes the rest of the week. I don't want somebody who's a corporate lawyer sometimes and then my estate planning attorney on the other days of the week. Did you want a divorce? Car accident. Child custody dispute? Don't worry. We'll do your trust. If that was the advertising, you'd say, well, that's probably not the right person. So you don't go to somebody when you want protection and guarantees of your retirement accounts to be the same person who says, and boy, I can get you double digit returns and let's speculate on the latest uh, initial public offering of that new bond offer. You go, wait a second, that's, that's a different person. You might need that person for a portion of your income later in life. Certainly you might need that for a portion of your assets now if, that's, if you choose to have that kind of risk. But you certainly don't want that person to also be handling and being an expert in the safety side of things. It's just not. I have friends that, that uh, you know, acquaintances that, that say they can do that. I get it. But you can only trust your gut for this thing. You can only be good enough in one area. I, I, I don't know. You got to ask yourself, do I want an expert or do I want somebody who kind of sort of does it? So, when I talk about trusting your guy, I'm going to get to Social Security in a second because the big changes that are coming are going to impact you in, in real ways. You got to ask yourself, right? When everybody's saying you have to wear a mask and it's the same mask and, and you don't know what you're actually wearing a mask for. Like, what am I doing with this mask? Well, you're supposed to wear it. Why? Well, because it's going to keep the germs out. Okay, so the germs are on this side of the mask or that side. I get it. Then explain to me something. Why do I put it in my backpack? Did I put germs in my backpack just now? Why did I reach over here and all of a sudden I have now germs, what, on my steering wheel uh, shifter? Or, or, wait, are there germs in the car if I'm all by myself? Who am I wearing a mask to prevent germs from? You guys have seen it. These drivers driving down the street and they're wearing a mask. You go, wait a second. Does this make sense to you? And as soon as you start to question it, right, that socialist uh, totalitarian push on your financial life and now on your freedom of movement, you got to ask yourself, well, this doesn't make sense. And just when you start to do that, this little bird in your mind says, well, that person on TV said that if I do this, I'm a racist because minorities get diseases greater and I must want them to die if I don't wear a mask. So you listen to their funny, silly statistics and you put on a mask because you don't want anybody to think you're a racist. So I think that same conversation is going to switch over to Social Security because here's what they're going to do. Well, the reason you don't want Social Security to do certain things is because most people on Social Security are minorities and they'll figure out some percentage, right? Look, you went to high school, you went to college. You can go online and take a 15-minute you know, uh, 
test, if you will, on statistics and take a look and see how statistics are are uh, manipulated. Right? You can make anything with a percentage. What percentage? Is it a percentage of this number or a percentage of that? Why is it that some people really focus their life financially on income and others on assets? Right? Things that go up in value. Why is it that certain schools and school districts won't discipline people, kids, young people, when they don't do their homework? And you're not allowed to fail them, by the way, because that's racist. You see, all this centers back around to your gut instinct. Because when your gut instinct says something is just not right, I want you to trust it. Right? Some of you know the story. When I was in my mid-20s, I'd done some investing. Before I was a professional, uh, I was a trader for about uh, 10 years, 18, 19 years old, till about 28, 29 and then at that point, I, I was licensed and started working in the field. But I want to I bring this to your attention. See, my wife was in her mid-20s, and she had instincts. She said, oh, this person is not good in our family. This person, this is a scam artist. This guy is uh, not... She, look, you've heard me say she doesn't have an opinion. You're running around. You're nice. You're not nice. You're a scam artist. You're not, right? She doesn't know that. She does, it's not the way she is. But when she has a gut instinct, you guys call it women's intuition. right? You know the, the reason there's no... No, no saying of man's intuition. Do you know that? Why is there nothing ever been coined, a phrase never been coined as man's intuition? Because we don't believe it. We don't listen to it. Now, we'll try to be tough and call it a gut instinct. Yeah, our gut instinct. Okay, that's probably close. It's probably as close as can be. But women's intuition obviously sounds a lot more refined and certainly is used a lot a lot more, I think. So you guys have that. When you see something fishy going on, ask yourself, huh, why is that okay? Because I think most of us, when you think about Social Security, and they're going to give a lot more money out, that's so nice of them, what does your gut instinct say? If the pot is only so big, and you're now going to dish out greater helpings, right, greater servings, Will it not go bankrupt slash not be able to pay all of its bills sooner? And I think the answer is yes. You've heard me say that they tried, they moved it from 2035 down to 2034. And then they said, because in two years, nobody paid their taxes uh, in payroll tax, because the only dollars that go in to social security is something called earned income. That means you actually have to have a job. That's why if you are an independent contractor, like an Uber driver or certain independent contractors, you do not pay payroll tax on money that you don't declare as salary. You can have a dividend, right? If you're an independent business owner, the first thing that you pay are your expenses, your bills. So you pay for your electric bill if you're using that for business, but if you're not, it's an, it's an after-tax expense. But if you're using your car for business, you get to pay for that car with pre-tax money. And if there's nothing left over after paying for those expenses, your meals, your advertising, your marketing, whatever it might be that's related to your business, then you do not pay income tax or even payroll tax on that money. But the state of California and the federal government are trying to shift those rules because what they want to do is push more money down the salary slash payroll tax 
avenue. So you will have to put more money into the social security system. Now, if you're one of the many, many people that don't think it's going to be there when you're ready to retire, then that's a different story. Why would you have support if you're in your 20s, 30s, when you don't think it's going to be there for you? Well, that's called a Ponzi scheme. And we don't think that's allowed. Now, Social Security has a different set of rules, but many have compared it in the past to, to a Ponzi scheme, more money coming in. The only reason that money's coming in is not because it's earning interest, but because it's coming in the front door to pay yesterday's obligations, right? They're not actually taking your money, investing it and making a profit. So there's some, there's two years where everybody was paid, but they were paid government money, unearned income. They were paid government money to exist right? Stay home and exist. So in other words, they pulled taxpayer money. In fact, they borrowed money from China and other places. By the way, the same China that released the virus. Shocking. And then they turn around and lent us money so that they can, we can pay people to stay home and not be productive. Isn't that interesting? See, China, China plays the long game. Their Congress only meets once every five years. In fact, it's coming up. I think we're in the middle of it now, actually. It's not really their, quote, Congress. It's like a Politburo. It's their political arms. That's why you've had such substantial dictators in China over the years. Very simple. It's because they have five years to consolidate power, get rid of their enemies, uh, get rid of their uh, naysayers, and create policies and procedures where when the fifth year comes around, surprise, here we are, and there's nobody left except me, so let's just renew my, quote, contract. So during those two years where the government shut down production and the ability to work, and the only thing that was being paid out was government salaries, government benefits, right? If you were a small business owner, you didn't get money, or if you did, it was very little, certainly not compared to what you were supposed to be earning, but don't worry, if you worked for the DMV or the city or the county of Los Angeles or you worked for the state of California, don't worry, you still got paid. Your pension continued to accrue, dollars still went in, but, but there was no money, there's no production. You didn't do anything. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I worked from home and I, you know, I worked six hours out of eight. Kind of, sort of, maybe. Walked the dog, went out, did some shopping, put my phone on busy, Whatever they had to do. You know it, I know it. We heard the calls. Dogs barking in the background, doorbells ringing, <laughs> cell phones ringing. Right? These people are, are texting all day long. Listen, whatever that is, those people took and there was no money going into the system. So when that happens on the social security side, and yet people are saying, listen, hey, I'm 63. I was going to retire at 65. But because of COVID, I might as well retire early because... I'm not going to be able to work, right? They called me non-essential. So tough luck. You're not essential. Bye. So people that were going to be continuing to put money in to social security, usually in your sixties, you're making more money than when you were in your twenties, which meant your social security taxes are going to be higher. And instead of putting money in during your sixties, you decide to retire early and take money out. And when you take money out, you're the person that's going to get a bit of a higher percentage. Now, maybe not if you had waited until age 70, of course, but you're usually a higher income earner. 
So now you start taking money out of Social Security. They're not counting a, you know, now now there's just no money coming in. It's a zero, but you're taking money out. So it's a minus. So instead of a plus one, you're at a minus one. And you have that over and over and over again. So my prediction was Social Security is going to be unable to pay all of its obligations by 2032. That's my number. I stand by that unless something else changes. Now there's a way to change it, a couple ways to change it, actually. One of those is they're going to have to raise the amount of money that they currently tax on income. Well, they've done that a little bit. They went from about the 140s to $160,000, meaning if you're at 160000 in income, you're going to have to pay payroll tax on all 160s. If you made 180, 20,000 does not have the social security tax, but the 140s do. I'm sorry, the 160s do, right? So it was 140s this year. It's going to turn to 160s next year and it continues to change. So, so that's one way to do it. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. Here's why, because they're not going to give you what you put in later. If you told me if I, if I pay payroll tax on $250,000, including my social security, because within the payroll tax world, there is the social security withdrawal. And you say, Arif, you're going to put money in. You make 250000 a year. And you're going to get a commensurate benefit when you're 65 or 67 or 70 years old. You're going to get a commensurate benefit to that 250000 $8,000 a month. I don't know whatever the number is. Let's just say. I'd say, okay, well, you know, that's fair. I put money in. I put, take money out. I like that. I think that's reasonable. But when you say, listen, you're going to have to put money in at 160000 200000 and you're going to make $3,000 a month in Social Security, 4000 a month, which is a way lot of money. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of money. I'm good with it. The problem is it's not 10000 a month that, that you make or $20,000 a month that you make. So it's a lot less percentage from what they've been taking from you. But remember, anybody can play with statistics. So these government employees will sit around and they'll say, hey, listen, uh, you know, here's the numbers and you should just be grateful, right? Because I've heard that all the time. You should just be blessed. Listen, you are blessed. Oh, hurt me. Look at the amount of money you're making. Hurt me. I hear that said to our wealthy clients all the time. And so you can't really complain because then they say you're ungrateful or you're, you're, uh, just basically somebody who doesn't understand. You don't understand the other side. Those poor people. Okay, listen, I, I understand. I'm a financial guy. We have clients that make 40000 a year and 40000 a month or more. So we have people in between. All I'm saying is if you're going to take money out of Social Security when somebody is earning $160,000 a year, then you should pay them accordingly the 160000 or Maybe it's just a percentage. It doesn't have to be all of it, of course, because you don't get it all anyway at the at the lower brackets. But if you do, you're going to run out of Social Security money even sooner. Right? That's a hard thing to do. Because so many of you are not being able to figure out what actually is happening when you put money into Social Security. It just becomes part of the... I don't know, you just sit there and say, well... I guess it's the cost of doing business. I should just be grateful. And listen, you should be. My gosh. But you also realize you can't live the quality of life that you want to live in California when you're not making six figures. I spoke to somebody yesterday 
Some of you know I was a Los Angeles policeman for about 11 years, right? Nice job. Part of my job was as a recruiter. During that period of time, uh, for about two years, I, I recruited across the country, uh, various Western states, Washington, D.C., Virginia. It was a lot of fun. I did that. It was a hard job, but it was also a lot more fun than almost any other job I had there in the department. And back then, in 1995, we were uh, advertising, I want to say it was 40000 a year, forty two maybe. So yesterday I spoke to somebody who said, hey, Eric, you know, the, the normal police officer with a GED, not even a high school diploma, GED, certainly not a college degree, never getting promoted, just finishing probation, which is the, the time they make sure you can do the job, about a year and a half. They're at 150000 a year. $150,000 a year. Now, listen, how much money can we pay you to get shot at? Right? So a lot of you are like, well, Eric, you can't pay me anything to get shot at. Okay, I get you. I did it for almost 11 years. I loved it. I didn't like it. I loved it. I loved being able to serve. But when you tell me that in law enforcement, you're going to pay somebody $130,000, $150,000 a year, and, it, and that's the lowest rung. In other words, there's a lot more of those than there are captains and, and, and chiefs of police for LAPD. And when you tell me with the overtime budget, you have to pay that because there's not enough other people coming on the job. More people are retiring because they're leaving the state in droves. You know that. I just ask myself, okay, now, if Social Security is struggling, how much more is a pension going to be struggling? Because eventually those people are going to need a pension. But between now and then, somebody has to pay their salary. Oh, that's the citizens of Los Angeles. So when you're trying to, to get by and you're saying businesses are leaving, people are not working, they're retiring earlier, kids are not taking on a full-time job these days, they want to work from home or they quit. I ask you, who's going to be putting into Social Security? Because in the government world, they don't put into Social Security. Did you know that? Teachers, police officers, they don't put into Social Security. Now, if they had a part-time job or they worked in the summer or they worked you know, off-duty or something, yeah, that, that job usually puts into Social Security. But you tell me how a Social Security bucket is supposed to last when there just isn't enough money for 2020, uh, 2032, probably. Maybe 2033, but if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd bet whatever wager, maybe not the farm, of course, I would bet something, the 2032. Because every time a political person tries to jump in and say something about it, they run around and call him a racist, a bigot, right? That's the, the term of the century. White supremacist, that's the new one. Larry Elder, the, the, the black face of white supremacy. Why didn't somebody take that guy, put his stuff in a box and throw him out onto the street? Right? Why did they laud that reporter as a very smart guy? It's shocking to me. Shocking. So when we come back, I'm going to give you some solutions on this social security uh, change that's coming. It's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. How do we fix it? How do we make sure we're careful? Uh, listen, I'm your guy, Arif Halaby. <laughs> I'm right here with you every week. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me at 888-997-3847. Solutions to the social security changes that are coming up and why they might not be as good as you think. I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour. Stay with me. We'll be right back. I 
retired comfortably Thanks to Arab Halabi Now every dollar's got a job to do Arab makes your money work for you Learn about financial power The total financial hour Learn about financial power The total financial hour Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, hey, welcome back to the show. Let's get started. I'm Eric Hallaby. I want to continue, and this is important stuff. We have solutions to the big changes that are coming into Social Security. Let me give you our number, guys. 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. This is important because the changes are that are affected... Uh, affecting your social security check expected to go up in January about $146 per month on average. Just basically do nine times your number and it's about the, the hundreds of dollars per month. So if you earn a thousand dollars, it's about $87 a month. If you earn $2,000 a month in social security, it's going to be right around $180 or so per month. The reason this matters is inflation, but you know, and I know that inflation, the things that we spend money on, Right? Things called core inflation, especially if you live in areas that are already expensive. So things, places like Los Angeles, places like Phoenix, Arizona, which came out recently as the most expensive, highest inflation city in the country, Phoenix, the Phoenix area especially. So these things are changing how much money we have left over in our accounts. But it doesn't matter because the system is only going to give you, Social Security is going to give you 8.7%. All right, that $146, let's call it $150 extra in your check, could push you over into the next tax bracket. Now, what I mean by that, I'd have to have a whiteboard. So if it's a problem that you're looking at trying to avoid, let me give you some solutions. Because right now, you don't realize, but your Medicare premiums are based on a couple of things. One of those specifically is how much money you make in what's called countable income. Now, what does that mean? If you have what's called tax-free municipal bonds or double tax-free municipal bonds or, or any types of bonds that you think you don't pay income tax on, that's nice. But it does calculate, does go into the formula to have your social security calculated and taxed. Meaning it pushes up that number that says, ding, you crossed the threshold. You now are subject to income tax. So if you have money that is in the bond world and you think you have safety and you think you're not going to go backwards with your money, maybe, maybe not. I would say if it were me, right, I'm not a fan of bonds because as interest rates go up and they've gone up at an accelerated rate, the bond prices, the value of your bonds from last year, this year, when they start to go down. So interest rates go up, your bond prices, the value of your bond portfolio goes down. So if you thought it was safe, I don't know what you mean safe, what your definition is. Ours is it doesn't go backwards when the market changes, when Congress changes. We just don't want to lose money. So I would put things like your savings account that has interest, the bond portfolio that has interest, I would put those things in what's called a fixed annuity. You can have a three-year fixed annuity where you can still withdraw money every year if you want. You can have a five-year or a seven, whatever you want. 
If you're not going to need it for food, shelter, clothing, and you're going to earn interest and you want to earn interest to keep up or or pass inflation, or at least kind of not be affected as bad, then consider some of these three and four and five year uh, fixed annuities. Here's why. While the interest is accumulating in there, does not affect your social security tax. While interest is growing, you're earning compounded interest on interest. No social security tax, no Medicare tax. Those are important things because your bond portfolio, your savings accounts could have a negative impact on the rest of your income being subject to the income tax formula that the IRS has put forward. Again, if your tax preparer is also your financial professional, my opinion is, and I have yet to see it, maybe somebody out there has it, my opinion is they can only do one of those well enough for you. And if they haven't been great in your financial world, meaning you've lost money in money that you can't afford to lose. Look, if it's retirement money, I don't think you can afford to lose a penny. Now, if you're 46 years old and you're going to retire in 25 years, play with the market. It'll come back. It's just they never say when. Two years, five years, 10 years. We went through what, 20, 25 years between the 50s and 80s where we basically didn't go anywhere. We went up, down, up, down, up, down. Now listen, Wall Street always charged a fee. Do you realize, let's play with percentages for just a second. Let's say the market is down 20% and you have a million dollar portfolio. That's a lot of money. I'm I'm proud of you. Great job. But it's a million dollars. A lot of people have accumulated a million dollars and the market goes back 20%. Do you realize you've lost $200,000? Your broker has lost somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3000 Broker loses 3000 You lose 200000 Are you both playing for the same set of, well, goodies, if you will? You realize the broker loses a very tiny amount when the market goes back. I love it when they do these commercials. We do better when you do better. Yeah, yeah, but... You still took a fee when when you lost my money. I mean, listen, I'm all right paying you. If if you make me $50,000 this month, I will give you 10. I think that's a great deal. I would sign up for that. And I'm telling you right now, I would do that. You make me 60,000, I'd probably give you 20 and say, do it again next month. Take my money, make me another 60, I'll give you another 20. I would do that deal. But that's not what happens. They lose you 40, 50, 60, 70, 100,000. And they still took a fee. Oh, but it's less. Yeah, by pennies. Compared to what they, what you lost. And you're the one that worked for it. You're, you're the emotional attachment to those dollars. Because you're the one that spent your life savings in one place. You put it in one place. Trusted one broker or two or three, whatever. You trusted Wall Street the concept, the idea of it, of it averaging, whatever they used to say. When I was a, a, a broker guy, I, listen, I used to say 12% because that's what they told me to tell you. And here I am in my late 20s, early 30s. I believed it because it was kind of happening anyway. Right Throughout the 90s, we were averaging that kind of interest rate, 10, 12% a year. So that was easy to get. We built portfolios off of 12% a year. Oh, let's be safe. Let's just say it's 10 Oh, you wanted a bond portfolio? We could do six or seven, even though they were really making eight. 
right? And then people didn't realize the whole junk bond world, that means risk. Oh, I have a high yield, whatever. Whenever you see high yield in anything, you got to ask yourself, what is it? Why is it high? Why, why is it that they're paying me more than the one down the street that's paying me less? Because the risk is higher. The credit rating is not as well. It's not as good. You know it. If you had a car, if you had a car loan, you walk into to a car dealership, whatever, and you say, hey, I'd like to get a car. And they go, great. We're going to give you a car loan. Oh, you have a crummy credit history. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to pay more. You defaulted on your last car, got repossessed. You can't keep a job. No problem. You're going to pay a higher interest rate. Pay more. Well, you're on that other side of that deal. When you see, oh, I'm getting a 9 or 10 or 12%. Uh, oh, that's great. Somebody's paying more. For what reason? So you always ask yourself, what's the purpose of this? I, I don't know. If the purpose of the money is to take a risk, let it ride. Play, play, play. Go to Vegas, have fun, enjoy it. At least spend it somewhere where you can have memories. Don't put it in a place where every day you look at the market because if you're doing that, you shouldn't be in the market. Any uh, unbiased professional will tell you that. If you're out there trying to worry about what's happening every day, if this is your life savings, you don't speculate with the money you need. Now, look, if you're going to retire and it's going to be one day, two weeks, you, you just tell me, how long do you want lifetime income in retirement? Six weeks, six months, the rest of your life? Because if you want money income for the rest of your life. That's my job. And you can cancel any time and you can take it out. I had a client recently, big portfolio sitting in a lot of cash. We created an amazing income strategy. So their kids are never going to have to worry about them. Everything was wonderful. And you know what took place? Their 20 something year old kids called them and said, Oh dad, here's bad. Here's the bad news on annuities and start sending them information. I said, you know what? Here's what I do. We do this all the time. Bring the kids into the office. Have them come with their three pages of questions and their laptops. And we can help answer their questions. Now you have a professional answering questions. Good, bad, and ugly. I'll tell you everything. It's not a big deal. If it's right for you, it's right for you. If it isn't, it isn't. But instead, you understand that when Wall Street brokers, do you think they're going to write good news? about something that takes billions of dollars a month away from them. Remember, their job is to make money by keeping your money. That's how they make money, not by making you money. Their job is to not make you money. Otherwise, they would only be paid if they made you money. So their job is to keep your money. So they have a lot of money because you pay them, whether you know it or not. And when you pay them, ready for this? They... They pay people to write stories about, oh, annuities are expensive. Got it. Ready for this? We don't charge a fee, period. Done. You don't pay a monthly fee, quarterly fee, annual fee, deposit fee, withdrawal fee, provided that you do not take out on the withdrawal side any more than 10% a year. Oh, Arif, what if I'm in a nursing home and I'm very ill and I need the money? No problem. You can waive that. Most, at least the ones that we work with, allow you to withdraw the money without paying that surrender charge is what it's called. With us, it's called a surrender charge. You can pull out 10% a year, every year. If you need more than that, that's what you pay a fee on. Not the rest of the money that's left behind, only what you pull out greater than 10% a year. Now you have to know that because on the money that's left behind in broker land, 
every dollar that's there, you pay a fee on every dollar all the time, every year, every quarter, every month, whether you need it, whether you don't. So you always have to have to ask yourself, am I paying for something that I'm not getting? Protection? I don't know. Safety? Maybe not. What's the drawback, Eric? Well, there's two catches, not one. I just shared one with you, and that is liquidity, a limited amount of liquidity. That's why you don't put everything in one place. That's why you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You still have savings and checking. You still have money in in, uh, uh, other safety areas, whatever that is to you. You want to have some risk, go put some in the market. Great. But it's not money that you can afford to, to, that you need to live on. It has to be money you can afford to lose next year, next month, gone forever. It doesn't change your lifestyle. Right. And so young people, as, as lovely as they are, they don't have any experience. They go straight to the internet and who owns the internet? JP Morgan Chase. Love them. Love them. Until they just started uh, eliminating people that they don't like. They cancel your bank account. Wow. And you guys still have the privilege of managing money in the United States, right? If I was stealing or writing bad checks, I get it. But because you don't like my political positions, you're a financial institution. That's all I ask from you. I don't want you. Listen, you make sneakers, just make sneakers. You're a computer company, just make computers. I don't want you to take a stand on this social issue or that. I don't want to hear what you think about blue lives matter. Not interested. I don't want to hear what you think about black lives matter. But when people will put their money in a place that doesn't match their values, not because I cared about it yesterday, but because you guys are making it a big deal. Institutions, you guys are making it a big deal. I would have worn Nikes forever because I love them. The moment Nike started talking about, you know, uh, little pigs in a blanket and allowing uh, spokespeople, if you will, to talk about how that cops are murderers. Now you force me as a consumer to make a choice. PayPal, you forced me as a consumer to make a choice. JP Morgan Chase, you, for, you forced me as a consumer to leave you. I didn't care what your thoughts were before, but now you come out and you say it. You want to hold a, an internal uh, Black Lives Matter conference and, and for your employees because some of them are socialists, fine. But when you start coming out and you start pushing your agenda on other people, now you force them to make that decision. And I don't know if you're aware, but about half of the people don't agree with you. So what, do you want to be the bank for half of America? Well, what that means is you guys have to make a decision on companies like PayPal and JP Morgan Chase and Nike. You have to make a decision on those companies and say, I'm tired of, of having my money go to support somebody else's values. In fact, the anti-value. Right, So when we bring that up in our conversations and your teenage kids or your 25-year-old kids or whatever have a conversation about ignorance, true ignorance, because 100% of what they said in this particular case I'm sharing with you was incorrect, 100%. But because they were more passionate, oh, you must be right. No clue, didn't talk to me. So you have to ask yourself, how is this going to affect this client's social security? They are going to get hosed in social security. That's a financial term. I don't know if you know it. <laughs> yeah. And so I go, whoa, 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 back up. 
It's just a math problem. Let's solve it. I'm not giving you a political agenda one way or the other. It's math. IRS publishes the numbers. We put them on the whiteboard. We do a calculator. Boom, boom, boom. Tells us where you are. You got to think about this. A solution is to move money from savings and checking that you're not needing for liquidity. Money you need for liquidity, for emergencies, that kind of thing. Then, of course, you leave it in checking, savings, CDs. That's where you put it. But if you have money in a CD and you earn interest, but you can't access it because it has a five-year CD or a two-year CD or whatever, you realize you have to pay taxes on the money that you can't access, number one. Number two is it affects your Medicare premiums. So if you have money in a CD, you earn interest, you have to pay taxes on that money. Put it in a, a fixed annuity, not a variable annuity. I don't like annuities, especially variable annuities, but I like fixed annuities. I like the things that they can do. I'm not going to marry it. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to, to live with it. I just want the features of this product. You can call it whatever you want. I want to not pay taxes until I want to spend the money. Wouldn't that be nice? I want to not have to have it go backwards if the market or oil or Russia or Biden or, or anybody has a problem, Federal Reserve. Nope, sorry, I don't want to pay taxes and I don't want to lose my money. That would be nice. I'd like to have it available if I need it. In other words, if it's a catastrophic emergency, meaning healthcare, nursing home, chronic illness, critical illness, I'd like to have access to more than 10%. Got it. But what's the second trade-off? You're never going to make more than about 12 or 15% with us. 15, I've seen 18, but maybe going forward, we're going to see 15, 18s because interest rates have gone up. And So that's it. Realistically, there's a cap on what you can make and you cannot withdraw more than 10% per year. So what if you put half of your money that you don't need into a place where you're not going to pay income tax on it until you take it out? It doesn't affect your Medicare premiums and it doesn't affect your income tax on your social security being taxed right on that formula. It's just silent off to the side. Wouldn't that be great? Social security is going to, well, it's slated to go up 8.7%. I think that's going to deplete the money a lot sooner. I thought for sure 2032 uh, was a, a realistic number. Now I'm sure it is. It's done. Because I think next year's inflation is going to be high as well. So they're going to have to pay it again. Four and a half, five percent next year, maybe more. Biden has no clue. Just take a look at the amount of gaffes. He sits on the stage and he's bewildered. He's lost. That means he has no command over the economy. He has no clue how to guide the ship. You have all of these little fiefdoms. You have no captain. You have education doing what they want. Transportation doing what they want. You have Barack Obama's leadership with the layers of people he put into power, two, three, four deep, right? The civil services, you can't fire unless they punch their boss. And even then they just get transferred or promoted. So you have those people who have their own little kingdoms and want to protect their own little kingdoms. You don't have a strong leader who's coming in and saying, knock it off, stop this, move this. So what do you receive? Well, I think you're not going to have any command until 2024. And realistically, I think because 2024 there's going to be a change. I think what you're going to see behind it, well, it's simple. I think you're going to see behind it a change and it's going to take summer of 2025 to the end of 2025 
before the bottoming out of the uh, market, because it always takes about two years. Just look at the charts. It takes about two years to go down, about six, seven, eight to come back. And that's just to break even. We don't start making money again until the six, seven, eight years. So if you're going to retire or you need your money before then, just look historically at the charts. Things could change. I don't know. Right? I mean, it could change. Maybe everything is better. Maybe Biden has a secondary stroke or, or whatever the thing might happen to him that, to give him a chance to, to get back on track. People have done that. Maybe he'll start speaking French. People hit their heads and all sorts of weird things happen. I, I get it. I love it. Just get better and, and fix my country. I just think that's, that's like wishing Fetterman a chance to get better. It's just not going to happen. Right? I, I think we are where we are. And you have to figure out how to protect yourself. I think people are going to continue to leave the state of California. We still see it. More than 2,000 people per month flee the state of California. When I say flee, I mean they leave. I drive, I have conferences in Vegas and, and we travel that Route 15 often to go see family and friends. And, and so I, I'm up there. And I pass U-Haul trucks and other cars that have pretty vulgar things sometimes. <laughs> Certainly very specific things written on their back windshield about how distasteful their stay in California was. Born and raised here. Very angry at you, Newsom. Good riddance, California. You stole my future, California. I'm going to go find it. All of these things I've heard. You forced my children to leave. This is my case, right? You forced my kids to leave. Why? Because you stole what was once the best state in the nation. And you turned it into 49 out of 50th when it comes to education. That means states like these states is worse than us. I don't know which one, but Alabama, Mississippi, um, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Alaska, one of their educations worse than us, but the rest of them are better than us. How do you have half, literally half of the state's income budget goes towards education? And you have record numbers of kids graduating high school, even before the reaction to the pandemic and the lockdown, even before that, record numbers of kids that can't read and write at a 12th grade level. Oh, it's racist. So they keep fighting this boogeyman, this racist boogeyman in the corner all day long, and they're forgetting to educate their kids. So what do they do? They legalize marijuana to keep the masses, uh, well, you know, just relaxed. Relaxed and hungry. That's what they want to keep you. And so you get this movement where it just doesn't make sense. Like, like I have liberal friends, and I just ask them, tell me where it makes sense where you lock up people that protested in January 6th, but you didn't lock up the people that burnt down gas, uh, police stations and city halls in Portland and Seattle and other states across the country. You didn't lock them up. When these students will uh, burn down universities and, and riot because a conservative will come and speak, you never locked those people up. But you were okay locking up Americans that protested, that think the election was rigged. Oh, well, you didn't lock up Stacey Abrams or Al Gore or Ms. Clinton, but it's okay. The rest of these people, you'll lock up. Do you see why people are, can't figure it out in California? I love this state. I was born and raised here. 
Why, why is it that you purposely derailed, destroyed, and run an amazing state into the ground? So what's the solution to that? I think the only solution is it has to file bankruptcy. Now, oh, Eric, states can't file bankruptcy. Okay, I don't care what you call it. Again, back to Mickey Mouse and address. Call it whatever you want. It's still going to be a default. You have to stop and say, stop the presses, all the pensions, all the contracts, all the things that we've agreed to. We're going to rework them. The Constitution maybe even has to be reworked. I think that's the only way to fix the state. A lot of you don't want to stick around for it to happen because it's going to be very painful when it does. And I don't blame you. I wish they would fix it sooner rather than later because it's a beautiful place. It's too bad we have the Democrats in charge. Seem to ruin everything they touch. Stay with me. Second hour, I've got your emails. A couple of very interesting ones, especially based on this topic of Social Security. That's why I chose them. See how we handle it. And it might just apply to you when we come back. The Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Hallaby, 888 99Retire, 888 99 997 3847, 888 Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour, your place for news, talk, and information. This is AM870, The Answer. Thanks for being part of the show. I loved your second, uh, our second hour because it's, it's you guys. It's your emails. It's your problems, concerns, comments. I love it because you can email me at Arif. That's Arif at, a, at uh, TFSWealth.com. Arif, A-R-I-F, at TFSWealth.com. Your emails are important because it allows me an opportunity to hear what you're thinking. Of course, when you come into the office, you're always welcome to come in. We never charge a fee for any consulting. A lot of people say, oh, you know, when I come in, how much do I have to pay? We don't. Every product in the world has a profit built into it. Whether it's your can of soda, whether it's a financial product, right? A CD at a bank, everything has a profit built into it. When you walk into a bank, and you get a CD or a savings account or a checking account, they're gonna pay you this interest rate, it's lower, and then they're gonna lend it out to the next person on a new visa or car or boat, plane, whatever they're buying at a higher interest rate, right? We're not walking in and giving the teller $2 and bank manager a dollar, security guard a dollar, we're not doing that, but we know they're paid because of that spread or the profit. Well, insurance companies do the exact same thing. They're the issuer, they're the creator of financial products. And let's be clear, Annuities have been around somewhere in the neighborhood of about 2,000, maybe even longer, 3,000 years. So in one form or fashion, everything from the Romans to today's modern-day Social Security to your pension, they are all annuity-based. In other words, put money in and they give you a guaranteed lifetime payment. That's a very important part because we never know how long we're going to live. There is something called longevity. It didn't used to happen. Today's modern medicine has created this thing called chronic illness. You see, it never existed before. It would be, you were 64, you died of a heart attack, done. 
you were 62, you, you passed away from diabetes and you didn't even know what it was. But today we have tests, we have medications, we have mitigation and lifestyle uh, arrangements. These things have lessened your risk of dying earlier, but it has increased your risk of living longer than the money you have set aside to handle. That's why we have something called annuities. They're not designed to be everything. Anybody who puts all of your money in one place, you don't do that. You don't put it all in the market. You don't put it all in in real estate. You don't pay off your house and have no money to eat dinner with. Why? Because you can't take a piece of drywall to the grocery store. It doesn't matter how much you have in your home paid off. You have property taxes. Next year, you'll have property taxes. You have utilities. So you can have a home, a million, a $10 million house paid off, but you still have taxes, don't you? What pays for everything, whether your home is paid off or not? Income. Income every month, every month, every month. That's the goal. The goal in retirement, the goal to live your life was to have money set aside for something very clear. And that is a lifelong set of income. You follow me? It's not designed for you to to get a big chunk of money. Every time you got a big chunk of money, inheritance, tax refund, sold a car, a house, a boat, whatever. Anytime you got a big chunk of money, poof, here it comes in your life. What have you done with it? Spent it. Oh, we needed to upgrade the house, the kitchen, the blinds. Oh, we needed to take a vacation. Oh, we wanted to help our daughter, our grandkids. Everybody. But you wouldn't give them your entire next month's paycheck and, and not be able to pay your electric bill. Right? You think that big chunk of money is extra. But vital, necessary, that's the income. That's what we help with. That lifetime stream of income, giving you a monthly check. Now, at any time you want to cancel it, cancel it. Just take the money. You can do that. Say, hey, stop. Just give me a check. I've been getting income for two years, five years, 10 years. Stop everything and give me a check. Okay. If you pass away, your family gets whatever they want. Give me pieces of it. Give me it all. Give me pieces of it. And then give it all to me, whatever they want. Whoever your beneficiaries are, they get to decide. But what if halfway through you have a medical issue, right? You've had the account for 10 years and now chronic illness. Now I need to hire somebody to come in to my home. There are accounts that increase that monthly check. In some cases, even doubling it. Double it to you. Here it is. You were receiving 2000 a month. Here's four. You were receiving 5000 a month. Here's 10 That kind of long-term care support benefit, that goes to you and your family, your beneficiaries, whomever you want to help care for you. And then when you pass, it goes directly to them, right? This is important because I want you to realize each type of account you have has a different job to do. The purpose of the money determines the place of the money. The $20 in your purse or your pocket, that's designed to do what? It's to go buy lunch today. You're not trying to earn a higher interest rate. You're not trying to protect and get some tax strategies with it. You're just wanted available today now to go buy lunch. Same thing with your savings and your checking. I want to earn a little bit more interest. I want it protected, but I want it available at a moment. Swipe, swipe, boom, give it to me. But your retirement account, you're not going to say, I'm going to take it out right today. Give it all to me right now so I can go buy lunch tomorrow. It's not the job. The job is to give you peace of mind and security. 
How much peace of mind and security do you have when your money's in the market dropping 15, 20%? Right? Do you think a, a financial plan is hope? Do you think a strategy is just put your head in the sand and not even think about it? Oh, I know. It's let's not open our bank statements, our retirement account statements. Let's not even open our website, you know, our, our web pages that have our financial documents. So skip those apps, go to the next, because if we don't see it, like the game of hide and go seek, sit in the closet when they open the door, close your eyes and none of your friends or family or your kids or siblings see you. Nope. My eyes are closed. Can't see me. You would never do that. But people do that with their retirement account all day long. So this is an important thing because life happens. We never know. You don't know if you're going to be somebody who is a widow or a widower at a young age. You don't know if you're going to be somebody who's going to end up taking care of your grandchildren like my next email. Paul and Lisa sent me an email. This is Lisa that, that is actually uh, sending me the email. And here's what she says. Dear Arif, my husband, 65 years old, and I, 62 years old, are now the legal guardians of our grandkids, ages 8 and 11. We may eventually be their full-time parent through the adoption process. We thought we would be retiring right about now, but it seems God had other plans. And Lisa continues, We want to be there for the kids, but we want to make sure that we have the income to have less stress now and in the future. My husband has just started his Social Security check of $2,000 a month about six months ago. Now he's going to go back to work part-time. We have our house paid off and we have around $900,000 saved in our retirement accounts. We have about $250,000 saved in all of our bank savings, checking, and CDs. My pension is currently $1,100 a month. I have not started Social Security yet, but at age 67, it's going to be about $1,600 a month. When Paul goes back to work, he's going to work part-time and he's going to earn right around $4,000 a month. Well, our total bills are about $6,500 a month. All right, you follow me? Let me stop there for a second. $4,000 a month from Paul working part-time. Lisa's uh, pension is $1,100. So that's $5,100 a month that is coming in guaranteed. Oh, plus his social security check of $2,000 a month. So that's $7,100 a month. Their bills are $6,500, plenty, no problem. But here's how she ends the email. I would feel more comfortable with $8,000 a month because of inflation and now having the kids with us full-time. All right. So you guys might be surprised, my recommendation, or at least a thought, right? Of course, we'd have to meet and go over some of the details. But I think part of this is you, you got to think about strategy. So I would meet with your tax preparer. I'd meet with your tax professional and say, here's what we're thinking, guys. I want to pay back that $2,000 a month for the last six months. You get one do-over with Social Security. Because, Paul, you're 65. I'm going to want you to wait until you're done working. Maybe that's part-time working until maybe age 70. Or whenever it is that you've, you're done earning extra money, I'm going to have you start Social Security again, and it's going to increase 8% a year. So in a couple of years, you're probably going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe twenty-four, twenty-five hundred dollars a month. 
I like that. If we can have you wait until age 70, well, I might even be able to get that up somewhere in the neighborhood of about 3,500, maybe 4,000 a month. Especially with the inflation adjustments, that's going to go up uh, organically as well. But Social Security allows you to pay back money. That's kind of nice. You get one do-over and you have to do it within one year. So we're six months into this, Paul. I want you to pay it back. That's $12,000 a month. Sorry, correction, $12,000 period. That $12,000 would come from your savings account. The 250 you have, you go into the Social Security office, say, hey, I want a mulligan. I want to do over. I made a mistake. I thought we were going to start Social Security. It looks like life has changed. We now have two little mouths to feed. I got to go back to work. Because if you start withdrawing from your retirement accounts now, and you can do that, you guys realize you're going to run out a lot sooner than you think. Because although 900000 is a lot of money, it's great. You kind of have one foot in retirement land and one foot in Social Security land. Oh, and wait, and then your arms, it's like playing the game of Twister, are sitting in, I'm a 30-year-old raising little kids again. So we have to kind of keep this balance so that you're not paying more in taxes than you need to, and at the same time, allowing your Social Security check to organically grow. If you're going to keep making $4,000 a month for the next four or five years till you're 70 years old, my calculations show that your Social Security check, Paul, is not going to be 2000 a month, but it's going to be more like four, pretty darn close. All right, that's a good number. Your bills are 6500 a month. So if we remove that Social Security check and we say 4000 from your work and 1100 from uh, Lisa's uh, part-time, or sorry, her pension. So we have 1100 from a pension, 4000 from your part-time work. Together, guys, that's 5100 a month. Well, I'm going to probably have Lisa's Social Security check. I'm going to have you start that Oh gosh, I don't know. Probably at age 67. And the reason for that is because once you hit that age, then you can make all sorts of money, even if you have to go back to work or want to go back to work without worrying about it. But more importantly, we're only going to get the higher of the two when one of you passes away. So one of you will probably die sooner than the other. That's just the way it goes. And the longer we wait for Paul's, the more likely it's going to be between 3500 4000 a month, a good number. And Lisa, you're going to lose yours anyway because it's the lower of the two. So Paul, his Social Security check will become your primary. And we need that 3000 a month, right? If we're just doing the pension and the part-time work, I'm going to want you to withdraw some money for a little while from your savings account. I know it's not going to seem normal, but I need to get time for that 900,000 to grow. So here's what I'd like to do with that 900,000. Because remember, everything that comes out of the 900,000 is taxed because it's retirement, unless some of it is Roth and you did not indicate that. So 900,000 is going to be taxed whenever we withdraw any money from it. Whenever we take money to live on from your savings account, it is not taxed. It's post-tax money. So I would meet with your tax preparer, your CPA, or at least on the phone or in person. We do that. We'll go there if we have to. And we'll say, here's the strategy. I want to keep them below the next tax bracket. Is that possible? What numbers do I have to have? I always have a rough estimate, 
but I always want the tax preparer to be an expert in their field. I'm an expert in mine. We'll sit down and we'll kind of merge our minds together and come up with a good number. So here's kind of what my rough estimate is going to be. I would layer your retirement accounts, that $900,000, into three places. Remember, purpose determines place. $150,000. We're going to go long first. This is the long distance. That $150,000, that's going to be for the longest possible. Meaning, that's for long-term health care later on. Because if some of you, if, if either of you need assistance long-term, the kids are going to be 19, 20 or 22, 24, right? They're going to be young. They're not established in their life yet. I never want to rob them of their growth to care for you. Now, if they're in their 40s and 50s and they have a family and they've built their life, that's great. And God willing, you get to live that long to see them. But this is just a different family structure than normal, if you will, or traditional or whatever you want to call it, right? This is a family structure where you guys have to worry about your health. That means I want you to start eating right. <laughs> I want you to work out a little bit. I want you to exercise a little bit, live longer, make sure those joints work. Right? We've seen so many people in their 60s and 70s look like and act like they're in their 80s and 90s because they're not caring for themselves. Right, They're sedentary. They're not walking. They're not... So you have kids to raise, guys. You have to be there to the soccer games and the basketball and the football. and the. You have to be there to the gymnastics, whatever it is that they're doing. And to do that, you have to be there. So I want 150000 That's the long term. That's going to grow. God willing, we don't need that for 20, maybe 30 years. And that goes in the long, long bucket. We have some great annuities that are longer term where they have income and bonuses and things like that later on down the road. Second is I want 250000 for the midterm. That's a 10-year account. Now, we can start income from that in a month if we want it or six months. We can start income at any time. But the job of this money is to let the kids get a bit more independent. You can back off your work and it gives you a lifetime income stream. Somewhere right around about half of what you're currently making in your job. So 250,000 would replace right around $2,000 a month in about 10 years. That in addition to social security, that in addition to Lisa's social security, and that in addition to Lisa's pension is more than enough to handle your lifestyle, the way that you want to live. Everything is wonderful. But just in case, I'm going to leave 250000 out as well. And that is going to be just in a straight, either a fixed annuity earning 4%, 3.5%, something like that. It might go into a, a CD or a money market account. It's going to depend on how secure your job is. Because the job of that 250000 is to drip in income between now and when you're done working. So you're going to use that to fill the bucket to get to that quality of life that you want to live. Right? In other words, I'm going to want you to take some from your savings account. Certainly, we've got to pay off Social Security because you can do that. You can go backwards up to one year, pay down everything you took out, and get a do-over. Say, thanks. Start me over. Love it. And you start getting that 8% growth again. It starts all over again. It's great. Plus the cost of living increase. Love it. All of these things start to push up your social security check later on. 
All right, why does this matter? Because if I can keep you just below the next tax bracket, then we can keep some of your Social Security from being taxed later on down the road. Not today, because you're making more than 4000 a month. That's great. But later on down the road, you could earn less money and put more in your pocket. That was my concern in the first hour of the program. Listen, they're making these changes to Social Security, but they're not moving the tax brackets. The Social Security tax brackets have not moved. And that means in 1994, five or six, when they made these laws, you could live very nicely on 50,000 a year. Today, that's lower middle income if you're lucky. And so what do you do? Well, they need to move that and adjust it for inflation. They should have done that a long time ago. But that was their way of trying to catch people without anybody politically pointing the finger at them. Right? Newt Gingrich and Bill Clinton, they both did it. There's no, there's no uh, angel in the story. They knew what they were doing. It was a math problem they knew or should have known. All they had to do was grab a calculator. So Lisa and Paul and many of you are now the legal guardians of your grand- grandchildren. First and most important thing in the world is to be there for those kids. If you're going to work part-time, Paul, I hope you can control your hours because they're going to need you more than ever. There needs to be a male influence in that family. You can see the streets, the prisons are filled with men who had a lousy relationship with their father. Of course, not all of them. Don't go and, oh, but look at this guy. His mom and dad were great people and he ate people, you know, and was a serial killer. You're like, great. Jeffrey Dahmer might've had a wonderful family, but it doesn't matter. What I care about is keeping these kids from the streets, from looking to a gang to be that father figure. You know, a lot of the minorities that came to this country, right, legally or illegally, and mostly illegally, right, the Hispanic world, El Salvador, uh, Guatemala, Mexico, they came to this country. They came here illegally, but for a chance to work. I don't agree with it. I think they should not be here, but they are. And I think at the same time, what you do, it's very simple and straightforward. You just look and you see they are hardworking people. I get it. There are a lot that are not. But what a lot of them didn't do is they weren't there for their children. They chose to work for the money to send it back to Mexico. I don't know if you know that. Mexico receives about a billion dollars a year. Billions of dollars in a year are sent to the, to what's called Central America and Mexico. Do you understand that's the reason that they keep sending their people north? And when those dollars come into these small towns, right? Because they wire them through Bank of America and Wells Fargo. They wire them through some of these services, these cash check balance services, you know, on in some of these neighborhoods, right? They do this wire service, Telemex and on and on. And they get it just like a Western Union. They get it on the other side. And when they get it on the other side, it's very simple. The cartels tax them. They say, oh, every time you walk out of that place, right, the person who works there knows, you know, Mary Garcia over on that corner house just got $1,000 from her nephew who sent money back. Okay, fine. Give me some. So you got to ask yourself, 
what would happen in the United States if all of that money just stayed here? If they said, well, I'm not going to send it back to Mexico or Guatemala or Honduras or El Salvador or Nicaragua. No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to invest in the community. I'm going to now buy a big, a big house so my kids could live there instead of seven in a room in, in this unit. Right? I mean, you understand they send money back, which means it's not here. So it means they have to work more, which means they're not with their children. Because in order to eat dinner, they have to make the same amount that you and I pay for dinner. So why are they working three jobs? Well, because they're sending it overseas. They're sending it out of the country. Oh, or if they get paid so little. Okay, I don't, I don't agree with that anymore. I used to, but that's not the case anymore. $25, $30 an hour to work in a kitchen. If you don't believe me, you just go ask anybody at a restaurant. Oh, Arif, you know, those people are legal or illegal. Listen, they have their ITN numbers, their tax ID numbers. So they might be paying tax on some of it. They work under the table like a lot of people. I'm not saying they're not God's creatures, they're not human beings, they're not regular people. Of course they are. But have you asked yourself something? How are we going to pay for this? I don't know that answer because you can't afford to have a group of people work three jobs. Their kids now have to go in and find a father figure somewhere else. We've seen it. I see, I've seen it as a police officer. When I did undercover work, I saw it as a policeman when I worked the streets and, and worked closely with outreach programs. Everything I'm telling you is my firsthand experience. It's not me making it up. It's them telling me. My dad brought us here and he's never around. So I guess that's a long way of telling you, Paul. I just want you to be there for the kids, right? It's a perfect age, eight and 11. You didn't say what, uh, you know, whether they were boys or girls, but it doesn't matter. Little girls and little boys both need their parents and their grandparents in this case. So it's my honor to help kind of build a, a financial strategy for you, an income strategy. That's what our goal is. It's to create something so we never have to worry about you running out of money. I never have to worry about you having kids that are raised by the streets. You see, this is a much larger implication. You might have thought, well, gosh, we were supposed to be on a cruise ship this time next year. Well, maybe not now. Right? And you said it best, Lisa. God had other plans for you. It's not me making this stuff up. Right? It's God deciding that you are a perfect parent to to be for these children. So if I can help you on the financial side, make that part work, if I can help you on the financial side, put that puzzle together, then I would say we start with the foundation and emergency account. And we also start with, Paul, you paying back that social security. You had six months. If it's just coming in your account, that's going to affect the taxes of, then you don't need it. If you're going to just add it, to your savings account, there's no reason to have social security to start it, delay it, right? Warren Buffett said it best. You never pay income tax on money. You're not going to spend. Let me say that again. Warren Buffett said it best. Never pay tax on money that you're not going to spend. If it's going to go from your left pocket to your right pocket, just so you could quote, have it accessible when you already have a quarter of a million dollars in savings then my point is leave it, leave it because your wife is younger and chances are Lisa's going to live 10 or 12 years after 
you pass away. I think that's the numbers right around 12 years. So we want to make sure that she has the highest social security possible. And plus guys, it'll give your accounts time to grow, especially if we ladder them and we layer it with fixed indexed annuities. So we have some that receive a bonus, maybe 10, maybe 15 or 20% or more. We have some that are getting extra income later on down the road. So you can turn on income at different phases. That is an amazing experience because then maybe you decide to homeschool the kids. We did. I think it was one of the best decisions we ever made. You homeschool the kids, you get them involved in activities between piano lessons and and soccer and swim lessons and church programs. Maybe that's the answer for you guys. And now you get to travel, but instead of them reading about the pyramids of Egypt or Venice, Italy, they get to go. What an experience. Talk about changing their lives. And we can do that with the right financial strategy. All right, guys, stay with me. Another email, another one of your emails coming up when we come back. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me. This is the Total Financial Hour. 888 retire That's 888-997-3847. A trend that I'm seeing more and more. It's covered in this next upcoming email when we come right back. I'll retire comfortably Thanks to Arab Halaby Now every dollar's got a job to do Arab makes your money work for you Learn about financial power The Total Financial Hour Learn about financial power The Total Financial Hour Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy, learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. I appreciate your time and spending a few minutes with me every Sunday. This is your time to learn about your financial life, really getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, guaranteed income strategies, that's important. Making sure the things that matter to you are why and where you spend your money, save your money. I wanna touch on something before I get to the next email. I'm starting to see a lot of these closures like you are, Rite Aid and CVS and grocery stores and Starbucks and a lot of these big companies are closing their stores. In fact, a lot of these Dem run Dem-run cities, Democrat-run cities, and Democrat-run companies. Isn't it funny? Listen, I don't believe, and, and you and I should should agree to this, I think. You know, if you know any Democrat progressives, they are generally the most racist of them all. They seem to always accuse you. It seems very, I don't know, cachet to say this stuff, but... They seem to accuse you of things that they do. It's very odd to me. And I love everybody that comes in, and not everybody that comes in knows I'm on the radio, even though I've been on for 17 years now. Coming up on 18 years this January. Uh, Listen, not everybody knows where I stand politically. It's fine. It's not uh, broadcast out in my lobby. I'm open to everybody. I have an American flag in my lobby. A few people have commented on it negatively. I always know where they stand, but I don't change it. It's my flag. You don't like it, you leave. We don't wear masks in my office, never have, never have. You want to come in to my office, you come in. If we've had people walk in and get all concerned and they've left, well, I hope you find a financial professional that will do exactly what you need 
and obey whatever the mandates are. We have a common sense thing in our office. It never made sense. Why? Because I asked at that time probably 15 or 18 different physicians. Now it's been about 47. And I asked them, I said, how many of you, look, should we, should we be wearing masks? Uh, should I be concerned about this virus? I asked them. I didn't ask the politician who's 3,000 miles away, Fauci. He's never been to my area. He doesn't know anything about me. I asked them. And they said, Arif, look, best guess we have is the virus has been around since October of 2019. And now the summer of 2020, they're going to make you wear a mask. Let me explain something to you. It is too late. It is already out there and it's out there. Gone, over, done. Check that box. Don't think you can do anything to stop it. It is out there. I said, well, what about wearing a mask? He said, Eric, when was the last time you were trained on wearing a mask? I go, what do you mean? Uh, well, I was an EMT and, and I was a security guard in an emergency room. So, I, you know, I, I, I wore masks. They said, okay, how about everybody else? Because you realize nobody wears a mask properly. You can't have facial hair and wear a mask. This isn't a fry cook at the fast food restaurant where you wear a little net around your, your beard whiskers so they don't drop into the soup. You understand this. It's supposed to have a seal. So these people that have any facial hair and they wear a mask, it's ridiculous. Or they drop it below their nose. Why are you even wearing it? I, I'm not saying you should. I don't think you should. But now you're playing a game. And he said something really clear to me which is what I've shared with you earlier. And for those of you just learning or listening, if the virus is on this side of the mask or that side, then it has to be thrown away with gloves in a red burn trash bag because it's now infectious material. And if you're going to sneeze in the mask, then you're going to save some of those droplets. No question about it. But you also understand that that mask that you just sneezed in, you have to smell your... You have to, I'm sorry, gross. I know it's lunchtime. You have to have that against your face for the next however long because you're not changing the mask. I mean, you get it? How, how many of you are thinking ahead the common sense? So what we did in our office is we said, forget it. We're not going to do that. Same thing with crime. Does it make sense to put a career criminal back out on the street? No, it doesn't. The three strikes law changed California. I was a police officer in the 90s when the three strikes law came out and we implemented it and it changed the crime in our area, in, in Los Angeles. It just did. The day-to-day -day crime, the statistics, you had the random, but those career criminals, right? The ones that are doing all the committing of crime uh, at a double digit, 80, 90% of the crime, it's done by those same people over and over again. You catch them, you get them off the street, and you have a really good chance of making that, that neighborhood safe. You follow me? Common sense. Well, now the push from corporate Ben and Jerry's, from corporate uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, from corporate uh, companies left and right, CBS and, and Rite Aid and on and on, is to get their two cents in. Instead of just doing their job, what they're good at, they feel like they have to comment on social issues. Nobody wants to hear it. You have said that loud and clear to me. You have said that over and over to me. Arif, why is this company, this financial company, commenting on this? It's not their business. Give me a checking account. That's all I want. And so what's happened now is these same companies that virtue signal that sent billions of dollars of bribe, blackmail money, whatever you want to call it, to Black Lives Matter and Antifa and its subsidiary groups, 
Now they're closing their stores. Where do you think they close the stores? Do you think they close it in upper middle class Brentwood, Bel Air, PV? No, no, no. It's got to be South Pasadena, right? They close all their stores in South. Oh, they don't, did they? They close them in the minority areas. So where there's one or 2% of those that are committing crime are now affecting who? The poor and the middle class, the minority neighborhoods, the same ones you said that you wanted to protect. Do you get it? How corrupt and crooked they are? It's not a surprise that the LA City Council minorities, right? Oh, check that box, female, Hispanic. Ooh. Right? If you're going to live by the racial divide, you die by the racial divide. If everything is racialized, says Gabby, uh, says, um, uh, oh gosh, Hawaii Congresswoman. I'll remember her in a second. Right? If, if everything is racialized, you understand what happens then now you have to die by that, which is the same thing. That's why these people in, in uh, LA City Council, Gil Cedillo, they have to step down. You just have to. It's the rules you wrote, not me. It's the game you're playing, not me. You have to step down. And is it any surprise they're the most racist of them all? Just like BLM is against whites, right? Uh, what's the? I don't know why. They just are. Oh, everybody's a privilege. They make up this privilege game, right? You can't see it or touch it or smell it, but it's there. It's like carbon monoxide. It's the systemic racist, racism. And if you don't see it, well, you must be a racist. If you don't say it, well, you're a racist. So why I bring this up is I think the minority communities are going to have a home run with entrepreneurship. If we can get a handle on these criminals, if we can elect the mayor Caruso. If you can elect and get rid of this DA, Gascon, I told you I worked with him when he was a, I think he was a sergeant and he was an incompetent. Nobody respected him back then. This is kind of his way of getting back, right? If you say he was a bully, whatever it was, now he's getting back at people that didn't respect or like him, which is the everyday police officer. Nobody did. We all thought he was incompetent. It's very interesting back then. Now he's a Went to an online, what is it, online law school, and now he's a, a lawyer or something. He's just a puppet for George Soros. Everybody knows it. He even knows it. He sold himself out. But if we can get rid of him, then these minority communities where these big box stores, now you understand CVS still has to pay the lease. Rite Aid still has to pay the lease. Starbucks still has to pay the lease because they've been, they have a lease for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. We have clients that own these shopping centers. They just aren't going to operate. So the shopping center owner is going to sit back and collect ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month for that grocery store that no longer exists. Well, if we can get the police to do what they're supposed to do, because they have support now from their mayor, from a chief of police who actually has some courage. Sorry, Michael, you don't. Love you, but you didn't stand up for anything. You're weak. You're weak. Listen, you chose to be a coward. I like you as a person. I knew you. But you're weak and you're a coward. Sorry. You didn't stand up for what's right. You stood up for what's politically. You put your finger to the wind and say, which way is it blowing? And you know better, darn it. You know better. I knew you back then. You know better and you chose to follow the progressive line because my job pays 300000 a year. I want to keep it. Really? You're already a millionaire. I know you are. 
and you chose for the what? Because you want four stars? You want to go to a conference and have everybody goes, ooh, there's the LAPD chief. Let's go ask him something, says the little Phoenix police officer, says the chief of whatever Sacramento. Aspen, Colorado, let's, let's go there for our chief meeting. You know better, Michael, and, and you chose weakness. Shame on you. The benefit, here's the benefit, ready for this? I love it. The Starbucks inside is going to be a coffee shop, a minority-owned business, a small business owner, and I don't care who they are, minority or not, but a small business owner, an entrepreneur can come in and start their coffee shop there, can start your grocery store there. A small business can expand, work a deal, cut a deal with Rite Aid and say, hey, we're going to use half of the store. I want you to pay half of the lease and then half again. Give me six months to get started. Rite Aid, keep paying the lease. You're going to pay it anyway. And then at a year, you pay a quarter of the lease. Let me continue. I'm going to build my company, build my business. I'm going to serve the community. And then after a year, you don't have to pay anymore. I'll take it over. Right? Wouldn't that be a great deal? Entrepreneurs, you get a chance to move into these restaurants that are shutting down. But the only way to do it is if the district attorney is going to be on our side and we got to get rid of him. The only way to do it is if the chief of police finally gets some courage. Well, you need a mayor that's going to have that courage. I think Caruso's that person. But what about you? You're not going to shop in the city anymore. You're not going to go to this gentrified, regentrified, recalculated the city. No, no, you're going to watch a 66-year-old man get drugged down the street. And you're going to say, not me, I'm done. Right? Somebody who gets uh, carjacked at a stoplight. Some of you still keep your doors unlocked when you're stopped at a stoplight. You don't. You have to keep distance between you and the person in front of you. Here's what we used to do on the police department before I get to my next email. I want to cover this with you. When you pull up to a stoplight, here's my tip for the day. Make sure you can see the tires touch the asphalt of the car in front of you, meaning you're back far enough where you can see their tires touch the asphalt, not the back of their bumper, where you see their license plate two feet from your head, right? I don't want that. I want you to be back far enough. The reason is this, so you can pull out of there. You can go left or right. You can swerve, if you will, or drive out of there. Even if you're at a stop, you can turn your wheel. It gives you enough space. If somebody comes after you, if you have a problem, you can get out of there and get into a lane left or right and get out of the, the mess. That was part of the officer safety stuff we had to do. So rarely would you ever see a police officer in a car be right up against your tail. It would be backed up, stopped at a light, even if they're behind you far enough to, to get away from, you know, bad guy if they get shot at or ambushed or something. I want you to have that same thing. Okay. Here's what I've got for you. This last 15 minutes, I want to cover this. It's pretty important because I'm starting to see this more and more. You guys, it's very unique to me. We started tracking about six years ago, the amount of husband and wives, both people working, coming into my office where she made more money than he did. Right? Because I wanted to know. I saw this trend happening of women make 70 cents on the dollar. Blah, blah, blah. We are right around 68 to 70% of the women that come in where both are working, husband and wife, couples come in where she is making more than he is. Way more than half. Three, two out of three, at least. Sometimes three out of four of the couples that come in where they're both working. Now, there are some times where she's working part-time, 
and a mom, or she's a full-time mom, but used to work. All right, that's not what I'm talking about. Both have full-time jobs, both are working, both have careers. When that's the case, she is making more than he is two out of three times. That was pretty fascinating to me. And that started, the reason I started it is because we started hearing these trends right around the same time a client came in where she was making, she was a CFO of a company, chief financial officer, very brilliant later, taking a lady, taking companies public, very smart. And he was literally a mechanic, fixed trucks. I was like night and day. They came in, she was always dressed in a very, you know, fancy pantsuit, Donna Karen, whatever, Gucci this. And he was in his overalls and grease and all that. So I, I share that with you because the the left-wing media is going to make all of these. And you may have made your life decisions based on what you heard from the media and what you heard from trends and society and women can have it all and you can do it all. Well, we're, we saw a lot of that. Whether or not they're happy in their marriage or the way their children are raised is their own issue. I don't know. But here's what's happened with, uh, she wouldn't even sign her name. It's just X. I'm going to call her Mrs. X or Ms. X, I guess. All right. Dear Arif, I heard your response to someone in a similar situation as mine, but I thought I would write to you to find out if I should come in and have you review my situation. Well, the short answer is Mrs. X, Ms. X, yes, you should. And the reason is this. One, we don't charge a fee. There's no cost to come in. That's why you call 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. Okay, 888-99-RETIRE. The reason you do is simple. It's because your situation, everybody's situation is different. Your, your goals, your dreams, the purpose, how you're going to live your life, what retirement actually means to you, because it means different things to different people. Okay, Ms. X, here's what it is. I'm 50, here's what she says. I am 59 years old, a single woman. I've never been married and I don't have any children. I rose to the level of senior vice president in my company and was rewarded financially for all of those years of service. I have been given a pension of $3,500 a month. I will have social security at the age of 67, and that is $4,000 a month. My home is paid off, and I have about $4 million saved in various retirement accounts. I have more than $500,000 in my savings and checking. Okay, you guys get it? She's pretty well cared for, financially speaking. She's comfortable, probably never going to want for anything financially again. Here's what her goals are in income. I would like to have $10,000 a month each month to live on. I want to be able to withdraw other monies as I need to, to travel and to care for my nieces and my nephews in case they ever need any money. That would be an additional $20,000 per year. Says Mrs. X, can you make that happen? Is that possible? Okay. My short answer is absolutely. Yes, it is. Here's a couple of things. Psychologically, it's very difficult to go through life as a very high level uh, employee slash executive and then retire and slam on the brakes at age 59. It almost never happens, at least not healthy in a healthy way. But if you tell me, Ms. X, that you're going to transition to be a mentor to other young women and men, if you're going to be a mentor to people in your career field and how you can help them rise up the ranks and what to do and not to do. If you're going to be an adjunct professor at a community college or teach every once in a while uh, at, at community events or something, 
then I think your purpose and that continued involvement is going to be valuable. The reason I really want to stress that is because you are young. Now, you don't feel young maybe at 59, I get it, but you're young. You probably have 30, maybe 40 more years on this earth. So I don't want it to be just a time of consuming stuff, right? I don't want it to be a lifelong of just spending and consuming. Now, I get it. You want to go and wake up you know, a little later, sleep in, not be subject to deadlines. Okay, all those things matter, and I get it, and that's important. But I don't want you to be somebody who just slams on the brakes because whatever your bad habits are, if you smoked a little bit, you'll smoke a lot. If you eat you know, sweets or treats a little bit, you're going to overeat. If you have a tendency to gain a little bit of weight over the holidays, you will gain a lot of weight Monday through Sunday. If you drink a little bit, you're going to drink a lot. You follow me? Whatever your bad habits are, watch a little bit of TV, you're going to watch a lot of TV. Very little sedentary, hugely sedentary. These things change your life expectancy and more importantly, the quality of your life. Because we have medication to make your life expectancy longer. That chronic illness, critical illness, we have a way to keep you on uh, you know, a walking ventilator, if you will, uh, an oxygen machine, uh, 75 different tablets you have to take every week. Right? I mean, there's a way to keep you alive and well and functioning on a regular basis. What I don't want to do is have you in a position to where you have all of this amazing money that you've earned and you don't get to enjoy it. So maybe when you come in, we're going to layer your, your $4 million. Because at $4 million at our 4% rule, that's what I want you to take out is no more than about 4%. That's $160,000 a year. That's more than enough to, that you need to live on, especially when you add your $3,500 a month pension. So what I would do is reduce the amount of money that you withdraw each month, maybe drop it down to 3%, right? There's your $10,000 a month. Three times four is 120000 a year. Allow you to be able to access that extra $20,000 a year. You have plenty to do that. So starting, I would probably t put $2 million into an account that's a money market account or a MIGA, a multi-year guaranteed annuity. Believe it or not, we have some that pay 4%. So that's $80,000 a year. That means you only withdraw the interest. You never touch the $2 million. And that's an $80,000 a year in uh, income. That plus the $3,500 a month pension, you're pretty much there. Let the other $2 million go forward for what reason? It has to be available for critical care, chronic care, illness. Because there is no kids. There are no kids to take care of you. And there is no spouse to care for you. It sounds very sad. I'm sorry. I don't mean to make it that way. But we just have to care for yourself. And even if you have children, there's no guarantee that any of them are going to care enough to, to be there, right? Depends on the spouse they marry. Depends on their own personal problems and issues and addictions or whatever else might occur. Great news. You have a great family. Bad news is they can't care for you. So I don't want you to ever rely on them if you can. And in this case, your nieces and nephews might be those people. We have one particular client that uses, uh, that uses, that, that cares for her nieces and nephew and expects to use them as her caregivers. And the reason is they all created this, I don't know, little agreement, if you will. You're going to get my houses. You're going to get all this money, but your job is to care for me and be my surrogate caregiver slash children. 
And they've agreed to that. They're in their late 20s. They said, Auntie, we'll move where you move and we'll care for you when time comes. Now, when she passes away, they get everything else. So just make sure they taste the soup first, I guess. You never know. Well, that other $2 million that sits there, that gets to grow. And I would kind of split that up a little bit for emergencies. I'd put some you know, in, in uh, more accessible. I'd put some in longer term. Whatever it is, the goal is to have it keep up with inflation because just so you know, inflation is here. I know you're not surprised. And it's going to hurt you the most because you're not going to get regular pay raises from a job. You're done, in your case, you've said it, Ms. X, with the working world. Now, a lot of you with biotech companies, we've seen it. A lot of you with uh, other engineering or software companies, you've reached a very high income level. And for them to continue to give you a 5% pay raise at a $300,000 a year income, that 5% is a lot of money. It's dollars that they spend. They don't earn percentages at the grocery store. They spend dollars. So for them, for companies to actually give you a greater percentage, what you call fair, 5%, they can take that and give pay raises to four other people. So what do they do? They give you a buyout. So a lot of you are getting these buyouts from big companies. If you are, we specialize in that. We can handle that. 888-997-3847. 888-997-3847. That's us, Arif Hallaby. That's me. We have a great office staff, but you always talk to me. You always come in and meet with me. There isn't a team of six people, 27 people in this. It's not it. My staff is great. They handle behind the scenes, some paperwork, my scheduling, of course. They're experts in that little field. But my job is to meet with you. It's to create a strategy, an income strategy, if you will. So if you guys find yourself in the same uh, position, if you will, as Miss X, maybe I can help. We're seeing that happen more and more these days. Thanks for being part of the show. Next week at this time, you'll hear me talk again. This time it's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be pretty interesting because we're going to be talking about the world economics and how it affects you. That's coming up next week. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for being part of the show. 888-99-RETIRE. This is your place for news, talk, and information. AM870, The Answer. Learn about financial power, the Total Financial Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.